You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. The best part of the hunting season is finally here. We've waited for this all year long. Now let's make it count with some great gear from our partners. First up, Tacticam is our title sponsor, and their point-of-view cameras are my go-to method for filming my hunts. Their new 6.0 camera has added a 1-inch LCD touchscreen that has totally changed the game for me. Its lightweight design, weatherproof housing, and one-touch operation really simplify the self-filming process and make sure that I have high-quality footage to share with my family and friends. My personal favorite for archery season is two 6.0 cameras, one on a stabilizer mount on my bow and one on a bendy clamp mount for an over-the-shoulder angle. And I pair this with a Tacticam remote so I can turn both cameras on with the push of a single button. To learn more or pick up your 6.0 today, head over to Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. Now as the temps begin to drop, I know I'll be hunting in comfort with my Huntworth camo. Huntworth is making high-quality, technical hunting clothing at a fraction of the price of other brands. This time of year, I'm making sure to layer smart. I start with a set of base layers, either the Casper or the Bangor, which I have found to be very comfortable and moisture-wicking. Next, I'll have on either my Elkins midweight top and bottom or my Saskatoon heavyweight top and bottom. Either way, I'm also going to be bringing my Saskatoon vest. And because the hunting often gets better when the weather turns nasty this time of year, the Winstead rain suit lives in my hickory pack all the time. And I can honestly say that this is the best rain suit that I have ever used. You can learn more or grab your Huntworth gear today at HuntworthGear.com. And finally, the Onyx Hunt app is an absolutely indispensable tool for me this time of year. If I'm not in the action, I'm going to be making a move to go find it. And the Onyx Hunt app helps me identify those terrain features that I want to key in on with their latest aerial imagery additions. The app now has fully functional 3D on both iOS and Android, low-resolution satellite images updated every two weeks with historic lookback, and leaf-off imagery, all in addition to the base maps that you've always had in the app. Get more out of your maps this season and know where you stand with the Onyx Hunt app. Now let's get into this week's show. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. Here we cover a variety of topics that are going to help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the How to Hunt Deer podcast. On the line with me, I've got my buddy Pierce Nellis, host of the Wisconsin Sportsman. Pierce, what's going on? Not much, man. I got a sore back from shoveling so much dang snow and uh, another nine inches in the forecast for tomorrow. So just living the dream, man. Shaking yeah. my fist at you down in Georgia. Man, I tell you what, winter is tough. Like it is, uh, it is 49 or so degrees outside right now. <laughs> You can see the sun shining in the window here of the studio. Um, yeah, it's hard, man. Winter, it just, it's one of those things, you know. God, yeah, uh, you had to put a sweater on today. I did. I mean, I've got long sleeves. Look at this. I got long sleeves on <laughs> and a co- like a tall collar, like you not just any thing. collar. I know. I know. I'm like making sure that I'm staying warm. I even this morning, I had to go outside and start the car before I took the kids to school because it was, oh, uh, shut up. <clears throat> it was in the upper 20s. So like that was... 
that was tough, man. I didn't I didn't want to drive, you know, the the eight minutes to school in a cold car. So I started it Jeez. before, and you know, we were able to make it out of the driveway. Luckily, um, there was nothing blocking our path, uh, and so it was good. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't too much frost on the windshield <laughs> for you. Well, no, because I started the car early. So oh. it burned off all the frost. Uh, car was nice and toasty, but I did have to. I did have to walk from my front door to the car, crank it, and then go back inside. I don't have an automatic start, so you know there is oh there God. is some suffering going on down south right now. So, uh, well, Pierce, man, you just got done, uh, and we won't spend much time here, but you just got done recording a Wisconsin sportsman first. We've definitely mm-hmm. never talked about the topic on how to hunt deer, but you just got done recording an episode with a guy talking about predator hunting and yeah it's coming on strong man like like when you think of about the hunting space you think like deer hunting is king right then you got kind of you got some western stuff you got some turkey stuff you got some waterfowl stuff and all those guys are just kind of out doing their own thing they're not really in like the the meat and potatoes of the money making in the outdoor industry so to speak everybody's got their own niche right and and that's great but whitetails are king but dude predator hunting is catching up real fast, it seems. Really fast. Yeah, we had, uh, so I, I just got done, like I said, chatting with uh, Drew Schlem of uh, the Predator Podcast. Folks should definitely go check him out. Um, he's got some awesome content going out there. We had a chat, you know, obviously primarily focused on uh, where we're at in Wisconsin um, and some of the strategies he's using there. But, I mean, he's talking to guys who are out west, really all over the country, um, chasing chasing dogs. And, I mean, he put down a couple of bobcats this year as well. And I, I just learned a ton. Um, one of the big takeaways we were chatting right before this was honestly just how much coyotes move through a landscape and use terrain exactly like mature bucks do. So that was pretty cool uh, to make that connection, but yeah, man, it's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I, uh, you know, you're, you're, you hit it right on the head there about the money and, uh, yeah, I think there's there's obviously a lot of money in, in deer hunting and saddle hunting and tree stands and all that stuff. I would love to see the numbers stack up between all those stands, saddles, climbing sticks, you know, bows, rifles, you name it, uh, and compare and contrast those with the uh, $100 plus decoys and calls, uh, not to mention the now, you know, anywhere from like two grand to, you know, as much as you really want to spend on a night vision or a thermal scope, man, I would imagine they probably stack up pretty close. Yeah. Not many whitetail hunters are spending five grand on their optics. No, no. But the Yodi hunters so. are. Right. They, right. Man, that's <clears throat> wild. What? You know, we did it. We did some episodes uh, a couple of years ago, like what uh, trout fishing can teach you about deer hunting, right? Where we talked yeah. kind of the connections between, big trout and what they like to do and like deer, how they relate to, you know, things like cover and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I would be curious to have, or interested to have him on the episode on a podcast here on the how to hunt deer show. And, oh, you should. And have 100%. him just like talk about those connections explicitly. Just take the whole, the whole time and talk right. about explicitly those connections, like what one can teach you um, about the other. But man, I, I did want to mention though, before we get too far, like you have taken the reins at the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast. So for those guys who don't know, who listen to both shows, uh, Pierce has taken over, man. And I've let go of my baby, handed it off to uh, a trustworthy colleague, 
and you're doing a great job so far. You've done an excellent job on the on the episodes that I have not been a part of. And uh, so, how are you? How are you feeling about it? And and what what is to come? Uh, I'm feeling really good about it, man. I think I kind of kind of finally hit my stride. Um, it definitely still feels uh, a little shaky because it is your baby. It doesn't quite feel like mine yet, and I'm a little nervous still like it literally feels like i'm holding someone else's child and it's like oh my god like don't drop this don't make it cry you can drop it it's fine (laughs) i'm gonna try not to that that you know at the very least but yeah we got some uh we got some good content coming up like i said we got this uh predator episode coming up uh that'll come out next tuesday um i don't know it's the 11th right now so i'm gonna pass on looking at the calendar right now, the 16th is when that'll, that'll come out. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I did that one with Drew. Um, that'll be coming out. We've got some winter trout stuff coming up. Um, we're going to be talking postseason scouting as well um, with some reputable names uh, that we've had on the show a few more times. Um, you know, really just kind of diving into a, a whole bunch of different stuff we're uh, working on stuff with backcountry hunters and anglers up in wisconsin um i'm very interested in chatting a lot of gear stuff with uh some of the guys from the okayest hunter um as well as you know i'm i'm gonna start leaning into some of the fishing stuff as well so i'm pretty pumped about that i've met some folks who are uh they're on like the uw madison bass fishing team um you know they do a whole bunch of stuff i'd still you know i i've gone ice fishing like a handful of times and to me it's like trying to duck hunt through a chimney i just don't <laughs> see the point like i you know i would much rather you know freeze my fingers off in a trout stream and then uh, right. sit there jigging for you know five hours or something on the ice and so i i need to learn the ways of that and so i'm gonna work on getting a couple of guests lined up for that but yeah, yeah all in all good stuff coming um I think turkey season is going to be here before we know it. Ooh, um, yeah, it is. Which, man, am I fired up for that? <laughs> Dude, I am. I'm coming out of my out of my socks a little bit about turkey season. I um, mm-hmm. it's going to be a different kind of year. I'm, 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 I'm very likely. I don't know. I'm still working out travel plans for turkey season. It's okay. looking like consulting is going to keep me too busy for. Mm-hmm doing much if any traveling for turkey season so we'll we'll see how all of that unravels but uh yeah guys it it is it really is you know and you got to pick your seasons so it might as well be turkey season uh Mm -hmm. this year so uh guys if you haven't already listened to the wisconsin sportsman podcast uh lots of good content there yes it is based in wisconsin wisconsin is in the name at the same time the content is relevant pretty much no matter where you're at um you know there there is going to be some wisconsin specific stuff but you're going to get something from every episode. It's not, right. it, it's, I wouldn't say it's any more contextualized than, than, you know, other folks who talk, you know, who, who are, they're just coming at things from a certain angle because of where they're from and where they live. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, lots of good stuff over there. So definitely go check that out. The predator episode launches on the 16th. You just said that yep. right. 16th. And this is on yep. the 12th. So just a few more days and that predator episode will be out. So uh, Pierce, man, you, you mentioned there, <clears throat> On the Wisconsin show, you're going to be talking some uh, postseason scouting, right? Mm-hmm. And we wanted to do an episode on postseason scouting on the How to Hunt Deer podcast. We've had some great guests in the past talking about postseason scouting. We had uh, first time I ever talked with Ryan Glitzky was postseason yep. scouting. 
Uh, I've had Jeremy Dinsmore on from Antler Up Podcast. I've had Aaron Hepler talking postseason scouting. I've had Aaron Warbritton talking postseason scouting. I've had, uh, gosh, Greg Litzinger. I've had uh, one. I've had KC Smith from the Element. I mean, I've had I've had a ton of people on to talk about scouting and covered postseason scouting. I want to take a different angle with you today, though, and I want to start with this. What did your postseason scouting last postseason look like? So January of 23 through whenever turkey season really got going. What did your postseason scouting look like then? Because I'll tell you what mine looked like, and it was not much. Mm-hmm. Not a yeah, whole lot mine would, <laughs> You know, it, that's, that was such an awesome list of very informed, very wise whitetail hunters. <laughs> and, and now we like have now, Pierce Nellis. Now you're just asking a caveman. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, man, you know, I postseason scouting is something that's, that's interesting because in the past I haven't really known how to do it effectively. Um, obviously boots on the ground is, you know, first and foremost, is, and you know, you're going to get your, your best Intel from that, right. By going into those spots that you hunted all season, um, by, you know, just, I mean, really just checking things out. If you've got a spot that's lined up for the upcoming year that you've never been to, um, or you just want to cross-reference what you, you all of your, your hypotheses uh, from the, the previous season, you really want to unpack what really happened. Um, it's one of those things that, man, I just haven't done a ton of. Um, a lot of times what I'll actually do, which I know a lot of people don't, is I like to just leave trail cams up and just let them soak throughout the winter. Um, I get... A decent idea then of you know just kind of seeing what the numbers look like after the season is over what bucks made it through um and i you know we talked about it with sam billhorn and the wisconsin sportsman two weeks ago a lot of times you'll end up seeing different bucks that maybe you didn't have on camera during you know the rut but you know they're they're relocating and we think we were talking about that in relation to shed hunting uh with sam but you know, you, you get those, if you've got the food source in that area, you're going to be able to see what other deer are in the area. And so I use it for that. Um, but really, it doesn't start for me until usually when the snow starts to melt, right. honestly. Um, and that you know, typically coincides with when I start looking for turkeys as well. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest shed hunter by any means, but um, for me, it's predominantly focused on trail cams and honestly a big part of that has to do with the fact that usually from now until well about march when we're getting ready for turkey season there's at least a foot or more of snow uh covering most of the stuff and so that's kind of where i'm at typically yeah i love looking for deadheads this time of year while i'm trout fishing um but yeah it's something that i've got a lot of plans to get better at this year um but I guess I should also say you know, e-scouting is big for me this time of year. That's when I'm really diving into stuff and um, just kind of picking through properties and being like, okay, as soon as snow melts or as soon as, you know, if I want to bust out the snowshoes and I don't know many people who want to put a couple miles on wearing snowshoes, but you know, if, if that's your game, good on you. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, right now I'm kind of looking at maps, looking at trail cam photos, taking inventory, but then looking at those maps to see, all right, where do I want to start looking um, come come spring? Right. I uh, 
you know, down south, it's always been a bit of a gamble. Um, not so much where I'm at now, but where I was mm-hmm. living even further south down in Louisiana or, you know, down in way south Alabama. Our deer season ends so late, like the end of January right. or mid-February. So <clears throat> we're deer hunting up until then, and we're deer hunting the best part of the year, you know, the rut. Um, right. By March 15th, things are green. Mm-hmm. Like, so you've got a very, very small window. So it's always been tough for me to do a lot, but then I moved to Wisconsin and man, I started postseason scouting like crazy. Like I was the guy the first year, as soon as deer season was over, I was out there trudging through stuff, trying to find everything. And I'm talking, you, you want to, you want to talk about something miserable. Try covering that same couple of miles without snowshoes on, right? <laughs> just, <clears throat> just straight shin and knee deep snow for, yeah you know, six miles walking across a marsh or whatever. I mean, <clears throat> or back and forth across a marsh. It's a lot. It's a whole lot, right? So I did a really good job over the last couple of years. Last year, I did not do any postseason scouting in uh, Wisconsin, which there I've kind of been doing my scouting in November when I tag out. So it's kind of like the next mm-hmm. day or two, I kind of cover my spots and do what I would have done, you know, in in the off season, you know, basically during the rut and I'm just crossing my fingers that I'm not messing up other people's hunts. Um, and then, you know, here in the South, I, I did get out a handful of times, probably two or three, four, maybe times last year, but not enough to learn this gigantic piece of, of public ground this year. I hope to do some more, but my point in asking, you know, what you did last year, what you've done in the past is here's where I'm at last year. I did not do the postseason scouting. I wanted to do my results showed for it or showed it like I did mm-hmm. not have the, the confidence in any of my spots here in Georgia that I felt like I really wanted to have. And yeah. a lot of it coincides too with man, Turkey season is right around the corner. I'm a huge Turkey hunter and I take, I take it really seriously. So I do a lot of scouting for turkeys before Turkey season. So that kind of eats into it just a little bit. So when we're, when we're reframing, right? Like I feel like this is the year that <clears throat> Josh and Pierce are kind of doubling down on doing some postseason scouting, at least trying to get yeah. out, uh, check things out, check our maps. Like I want to have a good beat on things going into the summer mm-hmm. because the reality is when it's July down here, I'm not going to be trudging through the timber. Like it's just, nope. it's just not for me. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's limitedly helpful. Right. So when it comes to your postseason scouting this year, what are your, what are your plans? Because I feel like I often make big plans and then time gets away from me and I fall short of those plans. Sure. What are you planning on doing this year for postseason? This year, and again, like I said, it's going to be kind of snow dependent. Um, I've done a lot more late season hunting than I traditionally do. Uh, usually, I, I wrap up, you know, right around Christmas time. Um, I've got plans weather dependent. I'm hopefully going to get out here tomorrow night after we get all nine inches of snow that we're supposed to get. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And again, it's the same kind of thing of just like, I, I like getting out and just seeing one, I get really fired up. I don't know why I get fired up by seeing like second rut activity, but then again, third right. rut activity. Right. Like, I think I told you I shot a doe on new year's Eve up here and there were two bucks that came by and, you know, they weren't like fighting or anything like that, or, you know, really exhibiting like ruddy behavior, but dude, I shot this doe. She laid up on the edge of this field edge. And uh, all of a sudden, like, and she had two younger does with her and these two bucks kind of came up from down below out in front of me. And one of them 
got up into the field, started walking that field edge. And I looked at him through my binos and dude, like mouth was hanging open still. And he was still kind of had that demeanor, that kind of that ruddy sort of trot where he's like, yeah, I might, I'm looking for something here still. Um, And sure enough, man, he got downwind of that doe after she was dead and kind of stopped and was looking at her. Didn't really know what the heck was going on, but he ended up going over and starting to nudge her around with his antlers. And then finally lost interest and and walked off. So I, I love seeing Man. that stuff. That just gets me fired up. And, you know, I think winter is a great time to take, you know, like I said, take inventory on what bucks are still around because now they're starting to get more concentrated. They're starting to herd up a little bit more on those food sources. Um, so I just like seeing that kind of stuff. You know, I, I'm in Wisconsin where I'm at. There's We're fortunate in that we get to archery hunt all the way through the end of January. Right. Um, just cause numbers are, are so high, but, um, so I've got plans for that. Um, I've really, really, really been doubling down on my, my e-scouting this year and just picking out those spots. So as soon as the snow is gone or as soon as it starts to let up, I've got my freaking route picked out. I know exactly which points, knobs, crossings, um, you name it. I've got, like, I mean, <laughs> we were talking about when you were uh, in Iowa to uh, turkey hunt, um, you'd, if, you know, you'd sent me a handful of you know, different spots uh, that you were planning to, to check out and whatnot. And uh, there's a, a chance I may uh, be drawing an Iowa tag next year. And so I was looking around on some of those and uh, I have, I mean, combination of like, chatting with you about stuff that you saw um, and watching a bunch of Jacob Sklenner's awesome content over on the wild calling YouTube channel and just kind of unpacking those things. Um, utilizing the Onyx uh, slope angle feature, which I'm not sure if that's new or not, but new to me at it's, the very yeah, least. It's new ish, new ish. I think it's last, last year or so, I think huge. Yeah freaking huge so i've been using that kind of stuff i've been kind of trying to go about it uh um i'm not nearly as engineering minded as jacob is but you know trying to trying to take some principles of how he you know does his e-scouting um and whatnot and now got a handful of properties lined up that like i said as soon as things start to thaw a little bit i'll be out there checking just about everything and um I'm trying to decide what I want the trail cam strategy to look like this year. I don't, you know, it's, I'd love to hear what your thoughts and strategies are as well. Um, But, you know, trying to decide, do I want to have trail cams out in the summer? Do I want to get them out earlier? Do I want to just wait on them um, until fall and, you know, have that more real time Intel? Um, Not quite sure, but yeah. Figure that one out. Yeah, man, that's a big, that's a big deal that you're talking about there. That e-scouting beforehand and kind of mapping your route. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're if you're gonna tackle a big piece of public, like making sure you're gonna be really efficient with your time, because Mm -hmm. we, you know, we've both kind of alluded to it. Like, it's not necessarily easy to find a lot of time to postseason scout. Um, We've already burned a lot of that spare time we had 
for hunting. You know, we've, right. we've used up a lot of those, you know, whatever you want to call them, brownie points or, you know, whatever the points are with your boss or, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you, you've, you've put off things as much as you can. Now it's time to kind of get back in job and family mode and all that. So right. like to be efficient, if you've got a Saturday morning and you've got four or five hours, you can't just go out there and willy nilly cover everything. Right. Like you've got to, you've got to make targeted strikes at certain locations to see, okay, is this there? Is is it what I'm hoping to find there? Am I seeing the sign quality that I'm looking for? And, you know, if you do in that area, then like you can come back to that spot and kind of branch off of that location. But a lot of that starts with me of just like finding those spots, getting in there and being like, okay, I've got the sign here. Now I'm going to go to the next one out of the list of 10 places and, you know, the next time I come in, then I'm going to kind of dial those spots in a little bit more. But I'm the first time through, I'm just proofing spots. You know, I get to one, rubs and scrapes everywhere. Great. It gets a good mark. I move on. Um, right. The next time that I come back to that spot, when I return to it, that's when the, the scouting really begins. And I actually do quite a bit of that, you know, where I don't make it back to those locations, where mm-hmm. those are kind of starting points for me for the fall. We're like, okay, I know there was a lot of rut sign in here last year, or I know, you know, I found under this oak tree acorn caps everywhere. So, like, let's get in there. You know, we know we're near some bedding. Let's get in there this fall, kind of start to try to figure things out a little bit. But being efficient by starting with e-scouting is absolutely huge. And, you know, Onyx, they're a partner of our show. There are a lot of good mapping apps out there these days. Like, there's a lot of different options, obviously, Um I don't know how many of them you've used. I've used Onyx. I've used Spartan Forge. I've used Hunt Stand. And, um, you know, with consulting, I kind of, I have to have all three of them either way. Like I have to have them because a client may use whatever, but you better believe I'm pushing that client towards Onyx the whole time because it's so much more user-friendly. Like if you've tried some of those other ones, it's like this interface is terrible. You know, like, Mm -hmm. like, uh, I won't call out which one in particular, (laughs) <laughs> but there's one of them that's just garbage and people love it. People are like, but look at the imagery. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't put a pin anywhere. Like I, I, it's not easy to, to use and figure out. I gotta, I gotta press 14 buttons to get it to drop a pin, you know? Right. And um, so anyway, Onyx gets the nod for me. Um, mm-hmm. And, and the slope angle is absolutely phenomenal. Is right. huge because it takes the place of some other, you know, people are like, oh, well, this one's got LIDAR. It's like, yeah, LIDAR is great, uh, but slope, slope angle is going to do the same thing for you, mm-hmm. essentially, right. you know, when, you, when you've got that layout. So um, <clears throat> how important for ask, you? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, let me ask you this. In, in this season of consulting um, that you've been doing, what are some things that you've picked out um, that maybe – you hadn't noticed in years past that you're like, Oh, I'm starting to see this trend. I'm going to start keying in more and more and more on these specific features. Is there anything like that that you've picked up? And I know that a lot of, you know, you're, you're designing the property to have these features and stuff like that, or using them to your advantage. But is there anything that you've seen just as you've been out on properties that's you're like, Oh, that's kind of subtle, but I just found that. Yeah. Let's see. Let me think here. I, there's been a lot of doubling down on things I already know. So deer okay. traveling the upper upper third um, yeah. on a ridge system. Um, thermal hubs with big scrapes. Man, it's gotten to the point now that I'm like, there's going to be a big scrape here. There's going to be a big scrape there. And we'll go there with the client and boom, there's a big scrape there. You know, like, right. like literally thermal hubs have just become really, really um, 
predictable. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I pretty much know how the deer are going to be using them. Um, <clears throat> not really a ton that has surprised me or been kind of new. Um, I will say that I'm finding more than I expected where the deer will just find a steep face yep. and they'll just walk straight up that sucker. Yeah, just dude. Not a care in the world. Same. Just like, and, and you always hear like, oh, well, they're going to, they're going to take, oh, and here's another one. Saddles mean nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. like it, that was such a huge trend. Like, oh, hunt the saddles. Oh, hunt the saddles. Oh, hunt the saddles. I've yet to find a saddle on a property that was like, oh yeah, hunt this saddle. Right. The, the deer don't care. Right. They, they're ignoring now a washout, you know, cuts or draws that kind of cut up into a hillside. Those mm-hmm. are huge. Those are money. Hunt, hunting yep. the heads of those draws, big time. Very, very, very effective. Saddles, dude, I have, I have yet to find one that I'm like, oh, yeah, the deer really like this saddle. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, yeah. And I will say, too, I think I'm finding more um, I'm finding more traffic in the bottoms that is daytime movement than I anticipated. Interesting. Because you always hear, oh, yeah, they're in the bottoms, but it's at night. It's like, <clears throat> no. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't see that being the case. I see them in there. Uh, you don't see them down there in daylight when you're in there because they're hard to hunt, you know, because the wind right. swirls down in there and does funky things. So you don't see them in there unless you have a trail camera in there. And then boom, all of a sudden they are here in daylight. They're just, you know, not there when you are. Right. Can I ask you this on the note of thermal hubs down at the bottom or hunting down at the bottom? I feel like you always hear people say, yep, there's going to be a big scrape down in this thermal hub and bucks are going to come in down here because all the thermals are dropping down into there. But you never hear any explanation of actually how to set up on one of those or in one of those or near one of those and actually hunt it aside from, well, you just got to make sure you're airtight with your wind. You know what I mean? Right, right. How do you go about using those? Yeah, so here's, here's been my approach to these thermal hubs and it's true a lot of folks are thermal hubs have been very popular they mm-hmm. they will be burned out on your local piece of public very soon um yeah but so if you think about it like a turkey foot like if i or a, or a hand almost yeah. i i will try to hunt those on a direction where i can see or i'm you know kind of in the bottom of it but I'm always giving up one of the drainages. Like one of the drainages, okay. you're always giving that up. It's just going to be the way that it is. You sure. can't possibly hunt it and not give up anything. And so right. you kind of have to know that going into it, you are giving up something on pretty much any thermal hub. There are some approaches where, depending on how tight the hub is and how the movement comes up out of the hub, uh, and you know something different, so like Jake Bush in Ohio, deer drop down, kind of travel the bottoms or whatever, you know, to wherever they're, they're going for the day, uh, there in Wisconsin, and that's because a lot of the ag fields there in Ohio are in the bottom. Well, in Wisconsin, there are all the ag fields are up on top out there where you are. The bottoms are what has been left alone and not farmed. So those deer are actually not dropping down to the thermal hubs quite as often. They're actually coming up to the tops right in the evenings and then kind of working the fingers up out of these draws. So a lot of it depends on the direction of the deer travel. But one of the cool things that I have put some clients on in and around hubs is to kind of be on one of those ridges where when their wind is falling, you know, when their thermals are falling, it's falling Mm -hmm. off the backside of one of the smaller finger ridges that comes down. 
catching the flow of water and the direction that the water is flowing. And that's, that's pulling your thermal pull away from where the deer are. So if you have like a light and variable wind (laughs) or even a wind that kind of works for you, but you're worried about your thermals, you know, if there's a hilltop, let's say I'm kind of making hand shapes that people can't see, but if there's the ridge top and you know, it's, it's got the top, the peak, it's shaped like Mm -hmm. a U, right? Well, if you expect the deer on one side of the U set up just a little bit on the other side, so your thermals fall down that backside Maybe they catch the water once they get down into the bottom of that, and it pulls them, pulls your thermals away. Because sure. I have, uh, I haven't personally witnessed it, but I've talked with a lot of people who have noticed, like, you know, basically my scent was, you know, I'm dropping milkweed, and my scent goes down, hits that water, and follows the track of the water, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know going the direction you would expect it to go to. So, um, but I've actually seen like reverse. Well, not even reverse thermal hubs, but they're thermal hubs, but they're high hubs. So Mm -hmm. it's a thermal hub where, you know, a bunch of different fingers kind of all branch out. And at the very top, I'm finding bedding on all these fingers, right? Just like you would expect, but the scrape is at the top. And those are really nice to hunt for a morning. Um, They're kind of a thing where it's like, okay, I'm probably not going to get in there until maybe a little bit later in the morning. Um, Right. You know, if I have a good, like, bulletproof entry and exit where I'm not going to be spooking a lot, if you don't have a bulletproof entry and exit, you got to get in there early just knowing that you're going to give up one of the bedding locations. Like, deer are going to bet on all those fingers. But you find that scrape kind of up on top of it, which is really, really cool. Um, you know, in my mind, people th- are thinking, you know, a buck can come to that location and that the rising thermals from basically all the draws and ridges, or ridge points, yeah. finger ridges around them are all kind of coming up to that one you know, that one location, those right. I feel like are probably more consistent for hunting. Um, mm-hmm. But again, that's just my opinion on that. So. And so are you, when you're going in there and hunting those, are you obviously, <clears throat> are you hunting a wind that's blowing kind of up that, that, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, up that valley, up that draw a little bit. So it's like, you've got your rising thermals, but also a wind that's pushing everything up and out of there so that you don't have to worry about as much stuff, you know, falling back down. Correct. Correct. So if there's the bottom there and I'm on the east side of that, I want a westerly wind so that it's kind of working with those thermals, at least on the hillside and kind of pushing that up, up and out, kind of like up and out. It's almost like washing out the bottom, like cleaning it out, you know, um, as you're rocking with it. But totally. um, yeah, so I've seen a lot of that for, um, for deer movement or for, you know, what, what I'm witnessing on the ground with being on all these different properties. Another thing that is incredibly consistent on these private pieces and, and some public too, but I'm just thinking of, about the clients that I've been serving lately. Their bucks are betting where they can keep tabs on the people. Yeah. Like, you know, I was on one client's par- parcel and we were both kind of thinking the same thing. Hey, depth of cover, right? We want the bedding back here towards the very back of the property. We're going to draw them up with food and travel corridors and all the good stuff that they want. We're going to draw those bucks out of the back and up to the front of the property. The best. Now we did find a buck bed in the back and we know it was a buck bed because we watched a buck stand up out of it and run off. Um, (laughs) Which interesting tidbit. We got over there to the bed. I said, let's go over there, squat down in that bed and see what this buck could see. He was a small, probably two year old deer. So we squatted down in the bed what can the buck see? So just like Infault would say, he can see all around him, blah, blah, blah. He's on a south-facing slope, got a good, you know, got good sunlight coming in, keeping him warm. 
couple of differences. He did not give a rip about the wind direction because the wind was right in his face. Uh, it was a south-facing slope with a south wind. It wasn't your typical, like, oh, he's going to be there with the wind over his back. So that tells me that warmth that day overrode any kind of idea of wanting a wind over his back kind of thing. He just sure. wanted to be sitting in the sun and warm. And I also found a balloon in the bed, like literally an old balloon laying in the bed, which have you seen that a lot? Yeah, yeah. So I literally found, I've, I've got pieces of it still. Uh, I, I picked up, like it was disintegrated partially. So I like picked up the mm-hmm. pieces and stuck them in my pocket. And I'm like, this is cool. It's not very often that you're like, okay, I literally saw a buck get up out of this bed, walked over to it, and here is the, uh, here's the, the, uh, the balloon from it. Right. But on the other side of the property, <clears throat> near this man's house, 125, 150 yards from his house, from his back porch, uh, was the biggest and best buck bed on the property. Rubs all over the place. Right near his, kind of like at the corner where his backyard and the timber comes together, and right where his road for access to the back part of the property comes out of his yard. So, in other words, every time he enters and exits his timber, Mm -hmm. that buck knew it every (laughs) single time. And so it's like, man, that, and it's that is just so consistent from property to property. Is if you if you can find a house. circle the timber around that house because somewhere there's a there's a bed it may not always be a buck but they're keeping tabs on what you're doing right uh, which i found that really really interesting that's super interesting especially on private land because i i mean i i feel like you hear everyone talk about that you hear the thp guys talk about it you hear i mean you and i have talked about it on our you know, the public spots that we hunt and all that you, know, you find those beds right overlooking the parking lot or right next to the lot and all that stuff i haven't thought about that on on private. Oh yeah. And it's so they're I mean, they're usually like on the private that I've seen it, they will be within sight of the house. Really? Like they can see the yard, they can see the house, they can see the back door. Yeah. Big time. No way. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So there's one parcel actually is 140 acres uh in North Georgia. And we walk to the very back of this big 140. So big property, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a little house back there. And sure enough, we get back on this south-facing slope. Uh, not a lot of beds on the very south side of it, but we go around to kind of the southwest and western slope of this little knob. There's a bunch of beds. So we take three steps through the mountain laurel, and guess what we see? There's the house. Like, And you squat <laughs> down in those beds, you can see, okay, there's the front porch. There's the driveway. Like they're watching the driveway and watching the house. They're a safe distance, no you know, 150 way. yards from the house. Yeah. But they can see that driveway. And anything coming through that front yard, they're going to see it. And so it's like, man, even here, it's, it's like they were drawn to that spot like a magnet. It's the, it's the deepest possible spot on this property, but they still chose to bet on the side where the house was. Right. Instead of trying to be on, you know, in any of the other 150 acres where there's no people. Right. Well, it makes perfect sense when you think about it, if that's where the predator or their predation is coming from. Right. I mean, why, why wouldn't they be there? Yep. I see that a lot now that you're mentioning it this time of year um, when I'm driving around and stuff, there's a couple of uh, different properties. Well, there's a road that goes down to, you know, uh, where, where my folks are at. And there's a spot that's got kind of this it's sort of a South ish facing slope, but it's between two houses and it's right off the road off of this little trail. And you can, when it's snowy, like it is now, you can, pull up the binos and park at the bottom of that hill and look up and you can pick out bedded deer 
no just these kidding. little brown lumps. Oh yeah, they they don't care if you can see them. They're they're <laughs> like, I know it's <laughs> I know it's postseason, and I know that we're safe for right now. And but I mean, I I would imagine they're probably in the similar spots. Yeah, you know, throughout the fall as well. Yeah, it makes you wonder about your your ground and what the deer are going to mm-hmm. be doing right now. And you're on the on the perfect five. Like, how are the deer going to be behaving yeah. on the perfect five with you know house where it's at and kind of like I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird, and I've been thinking about that as you've been been talking there. And you know, we don't really. I mean, I can't say we don't see deer bed because I had you know a handful of times this season there were does or um, buck fawns that came and bedded down, you know, right, you know, I mean, within 15 yards of my stand, which you, know, you can't see the house from there, but they're still very, uh, you know, they're, they're very secluded. And I mean, right. if I'm going in there to hunt that stand, it's on the corner of our property. That is the only corner that I really hunt. Right. I would assume that they know that they, you know, they're betting in there. So at least if I crest that hill to try and get up into a stand during daylight, I'm busted. And you and I, even when we hunted out there, uh, not this past fall, but the year before, I mean, you saw how many deer were over there right at first light, you know, oh, yeah. half hour before first light. I mean, we yep. bumped probably five or six does just walking up the hill. Right. Um, right. You know, now that I think of it too, over on the north side on a south facing slope, right? Southwest ish facing slope. Yep. That northern side I've, there. I've super got it pulled thick. up right now. I've literally <laughs> I've got your house pulled up. <laughs> right up on there. It's a long, kind of flat point. That is where we see all the deer move from. Yeah. Move dude. to, through, from, well, off, on. And that's the kind of thing. If one of us drives down the driveway, they can see it. They, they can, can hear it. it if the door opens or shuts and stuff like that right. on our house up right. in that valley. So, Well, and even on the yeah. south side where you've got the deer that f- that bed on that south side bench to the south of you guys, like they're within, yep. they're within earshot. Yeah. They're oh, keeping an eye on our out. house and the neighbors. Yeah. So like they're well positioned for you guys. Yeah. So the only thing that they give up on or in that bedding area is um, really being able to see what's up above them. And so they, they rely right. on the wind quite a bit there. Right. But a right. lot of times we get a stiff enough wind that if you were to access from a little bit further south and kind of come in, you know, parallel with them along that field edge, I mean, you can slip in there no problem. It's just a matter of where they bedded in there. And am I going to spook them when I climb up into the tree and skyline myself? Yeah. Dude, I would love to have you set up on your place and go to the south, to that property on the south of you, mm-hmm. and just, like, gently wind bump that ridge your direction. Right. Like, that would be such a fun, such a fun hunt, because, like, they would literally run into your lap. Like, oh, yeah. Be, it would be awesome. Yeah. That would be incredible. And this year, you know, we had so many coyotes and stuff. I saw that happen a lot, where we had deer getting nudged all over the place, and all that. And it's kind of cool too, on that bedding zone there, if you're up in a tree and it's mid afternoon, I get a lot of, or I guess not even mid afternoon, really just midday. Once the thermals are fully rising, I mean, I'll hunt that on a south wind blowing straight at the bedding area because it dips down just enough that my scent blows right over the top of them. And I've seen some of the biggest, most mature bucks, you know, in my years of hunting out there come through our corner, you know, during that time. I'm I'm pretty fired up because we're there's there's talk of uh, a change in ownership around us 
And I've, I was about you know, to ask you what, I've been what we know. Con- right. I, uh, I know a surveyor was out there. That's all I know. Oh, well, surveyor was out like, there last week. Okay. So like, we're talking, we're talking deals going like, hopefully this isn't just like, a, I'm considering selling the property. This is like, somebody's got a yeah. surveyor out there. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, you know, just a, a good guy, like really good dude. Um, you knew so him before. Yeah, our other, yeah, I met him um, back in like 2020, I think. Just I ran into our our neighbor who has hunted across the road from us for years, um, and we you know, he invited me to come shed hunting with him and his buddy. And then it's his buddy now who's looking at uh, purchasing this other half. Um, and so I'm I'm really interested in seeing. I mean, I'd love to just pick their brains and honestly just like talk through them or talk with them about like, okay, like how do you really like, cause I, you know, I'm sitting here on this little Island and I can see, you know, a flash of, you know, some deer run down, you know, from 600 yards away, but there's nothing I can do about it. You know what right. I mean? So I, I would love to hear what and how they tackle the property um, when they're going in there right. and, you know, if I am able to walk a little bit further next year, all the better. But yeah. more than anything, I'm just looking forward to having really solid relationships with, you know, the neighbors around us. And, you know, not that we haven't in the past, but looking forward to just continuing that and furthering that um, right. this upcoming fall. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Well, dude, look, we're, we're, we're to the point where we need to start wrapping this thing up. Any other thoughts when it comes to postseason scouting? Uh, I'm, I'm going to leave folks with this. Go do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it last year. I did not get the results this year that I wanted. So this year, I'm going to change that. I am going to postseason scout, including <clears throat> using this e-bike that I got. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be doing some postseason scouting. You should get out there and do it too. Anything you want to leave the folks with? I don't think so, man. I think it's you know just a matter like you just said. Like you're, you're, I don't think anyone will regret going out and going for a walk in the woods postseason just to see what you find um the only other tidbit uh to you know piggyback off of sam billhorn or really just echo his message is uh don't put too much stock into where you're finding your shed antlers because you know or if you're not or if you're not like if you're not finding them oh yeah true yeah true yeah exactly yeah that was um that was one of my favorite bits that, that Sam left us with uh, when we talked with him was just he puts no stock into it because the deer that you're getting on your property right now are totally different than the ones that you had on there, you know, during November. So, right. right. Or wherever your rut's at, whenever your rut's at, I <laughs> yeah, guess. Yeah, man, we're still waiting. We got another, uh, in about a month, our, uh, our rut's going to be in, no, in about three weeks. The rut will be in, in full swing for us here. So, Pierce, man, where can folks find you, keep up with you? You're, you you've, uh, you've got some social media going on. You've got uh, a podcast happening right now. So where can folks find you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, folks want to follow along, give us a listen or anything like that. We are, uh, well, just the Wisconsin Sportsman Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Instagram, it is at the Wisconsin Sportsman Pod. Um, and if you're, Hey, heading up to the driftless region of Wisconsin and you want to do some fly fishing, hit me up, uh, at goodchancefly.fishing.com or at goodchancefly.fishing. We'll get you out, get you on some trout. Absolutely. Excellent. All right, Pierce. Thanks for your time today, buddy. Yep. Thank you, man.
That's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five-star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me. Suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, and Onyx. Please go support the brands that support this show and help me bring you great content each and every week. If you're looking for more outdoor content, check out thesportsmansempire.com where you're going to find my other podcast, The Wisconsin Sportsman, as well as a ton of other awesome outdoor podcasts. 